All right. So he, uh, the worship of Mary was deep within, it was passionate, and it was continual. It was continual. This is very, very important. Now remember, Mary's teaching us. Mary's teaching us. And what we discover here is that Mary's worship was not related to a one-time event. Mary's worship was not related to a single moment in history. Mary's worship was continual. As a matter of fact, my soul exalts or magnifies the Lord. When you do a Greek word study there, it shows that that is a continuous action. It is a present tense verb, and so it is continual. This teaches us this morning, this is how it applies to us now, this teaches us that worship of God, exaltation of God is to go on and on and on in your life every moment, every day. That doesn't mean you walk around like this all the time. If you walk around like this all the time, they're going to lock you up, okay? So you can't walk around like that all the time. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about worship all the time. I'm talking about this sense of the presence of God always with you. This awareness that there is never a time in your life, no matter how frustrating that time, no matter how difficult, no matter how secular that moment feels in your life, God is with you and he deserves your attention. You can cry out to him at any moment. And this worship goes on forever and ever. Here's the deal. It's not that you rejoiced on that one day when you surrendered your life to Jesus. By the way, can I ask you a question? Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day you finally gave up and said, you know what? I'm going to quit fighting. I'm going to stop offering up excuses. I'm going to stop running, Jesus. Take my life. Take my life, Lord. I give you my life. Use the rest of my life for your glory. And you understood that the cross was your way back to God. And you understood that the resurrection from the tomb was so that you could have life in you. And you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Well, you rejoice that day. And your rejoicing was for days to come. And if your family were followers of Jesus, they rejoice with you. And maybe if they weren't, you had friends who were, and they had been talking to you, and they rejoiced with you. And it was a great time of rejoicing. But here's my point today, is that that rejoicing is to never end. That worship, that heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for the goodness of God is continual. That is the moment you started rejoicing, and God is calling on you to continue to rejoice Listen to this. Fluctuating circumstances do not impact true worship. How many of you know life has ups and downs? There are times in your life when things are very positive. There are times in your life when things are very negative. There are times in your life when your hope and your sense for the future is through the roof positive. And then there are times if you, want, you wonder if you can take another step. You wonder if you can go another day. See, true worship is not affected by those fluctuating circumstances. True worship flows out of us uninterrupted no matter what the situation. Continual worship that flows from the heart, continual worship that, that uh, flows from deep within like it did with Mary and continual worship that is passionate and intense like we studied last week, 
always fulfills the words of Paul when he said, in everything, give thanks. In everything, in all things, in all circumstances. True worship becomes a way of life because it's fixed on something that never changes. See, true worship, is fixed on something that never changes. Now, superficial worship, fake worship, um, that is fixed on temporal things, but true worship, genuine worship is fixed on something that never changes. Can I just remind you of something very basic today? God the Father never changes. He never changes. Christ, our Savior, never changes. Salvation never changes. His promises never change. His covenant with us never changes. Our eternity never changes. The Spirit of God will never leave us because we're fixed. So why is our worship continual? How can it be continual? Because it is fixed on something that never changes. And let me be very frank with you today. If your worship only happens on Sunday morning, if your worship only happens when it gets sort of pumped up and you're in the right atmosphere and the right environment, when your worship is only around the Christmas season or Easter or other special events, then listen to me, you're kidding yourself about being a true worshiper of God. So I preach this to bring conviction to your heart that you might evaluate yourself. True worship is a constant praise that comes from deep within the soul. And the reason it comes from deep within the soul is because that which is truly spiritual is unchanging. It's unchanging. When you're up and down in your worship attitude, as a Christian, when you are up and down in your daily demeanor, can I just be frank with you today? When you are up and down, I mean, your joy kind of comes and goes. It's because, here's why, you've attached yourself to a motivation other than the unchanging work of God. Did you hear what I just said? Let me repeat it. If you are up and down in your joy, if you are up and down in your uh, worship to God, if you are up and down in your daily demeanor, I mean, if you're that person that nobody knows which one of you they're going to run into when they see you coming, they don't know if they're going to run into the happy you or the angry you or the depressed you. They never know which one they're going to run into. I'm telling you the reason you ride that roller coaster. And I've done it too because we all lose focus from time to time. It is because we have our eyes fixed on changing things. We've gotten our eyes off God and our eyes are now fixed on things that change. See, our motivation cannot come from anything except the unchanging work of God. If our worship is to be continual, if our worship is to be consistent, if our worship is to be like Mary, it has to come from the unchanging presence of Christ. Let me add again, let me remind you, Farrell Hardison, all of us are prone to lose focus. We are prone to attach our joy to the constantly changing circumstances of life. And this means our focus isn't always on him. Our focus sometimes shifts back to us. And that's when we ride that roller coaster. True worshipers are easily identified because they go through the circumstances of life with contentment. No matter what they have or don't have, you see the contentment 
And they go through life with an unchanging joy. Now let's look at the fourth, the fourth characteristic of Mary's worship. So first of all, Mary's worship was from deep within. Secondly, Mary's worship was passionate. Thirdly, it is continual. It is not just a one-time event. It is not just when she's pumped up. It's not just when angels are talking to her and angels are around. Her worship was continual. Number four, her worship came from a humble heart. Oh, my goodness. Listen to me, church. Genuine humility is the key to the blessings of God flowing unhindered into your life. The biggest problem we have is pride. Did you know that pride is the root of every sin? I mean, if you want to go to the Ten Commandments and list those ten sins right there, every one of those ten sins are rooted in selfishness. They're rooted in pride. They're rooted in a love for self. True worship can only come from a humble heart. So what is a humble heart? A humble heart is a heart that has no thought of self. Dr. Adrian Rogers was one of my favorite preachers. He's in heaven this morning. But he said this, and I've never forgotten it. He said, humility is not thinking negatively about yourself or thinking less of yourself. Humility is when you don't think of yourself at all. Powerful, powerful. Pride is the worship of self, and it competes with God. One of the greatest signs, one of the greatest signs that you're not humble, one of the greatest signs that you have um, a, a pride problem is an unthankful heart. We just celebrated Thanksgiving about a month ago. About a month ago. How many of y'all remember that meal? Amen. I knew you'd remember that. Collard greens and fried chicken. Can I get an amen? For those of you who don't eat those things, we have special prayer right after the service for you. Thanksgiving, a thankful heart is a sign of humility. Have you ever met somebody, it was very, very hard for them to say thank you for anything? It's a pride problem. It's a pride issue. I was at a convenience store not long ago, and um, uh, what was I buying? Pepsi. And, um, and, I, was bought, and I, I used a little cart they had because I, they had these drinks on sale, so I was getting a bunch of these drinks. How many of y'all been there when I was getting my drinks? A few of you. And so I push it out there, and I was putting it in the car, and uh, I was putting the buggy back, and I bumped the wall or something. I said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, oh, don't ever say you're sorry. I said, really? She said, yeah, I thought I'm pastor of the bridge. I said, I said, she said, don't ever say you're sorry. She said, when you tell somebody you're sorry, she said, that puts you under them. That puts them over you. That gives them, that gives them power over you. I thought, you sure have. I said, we're just moving Pepsis, baby. I mean, you know, come on. But that's how the world views saying thank you. Thank you. See, thanksgiving, and I know it's not thanksgiving, I know it's Christmas, but thanksgiving comes from a humble heart, a humble heart. And if, you're, if, you, have a, if you have trouble being thankful, then it is because of pride. An unthankful heart is primarily 
is not primarily because God, listen, this is very important. An unthankful heart is not primarily because God hasn't fulfilled his promises to you. Because how often does God fulfill his promises to you? Every time. Here's why we, here's why we become unthankful. It's because of pride and because our comfort level isn't where we want it to be. And when our comfort level isn't where we want it to be, if we're focused on self, our thanksgiving level drops. Did you get that? Very important, very important. An unthankful heart is the result of someone not getting what they counted on. An unthankful heart is the result of someone not getting what they hoped for, what they prayed for, or thought they deserved. Pride remembers all wrongs done to it. Pride wants to strike back when it's offended. Pride wants to retaliate. Pride will resist praising God because pride is always fixed on self-comfort and on the ups and downs of life's issues. Now, as I preach that to you, I want you to know I battle with the same temptations you guys do. As I read that, I saw myself in that. And I don't always meet up with not being prideful. I don't always match that heart God wants me to have. And it is because I lose my focus on what is unchanging, what is eternal. I lose my focus on that and I begin to focus on myself. And that is when I become prideful. Amen, amen. Humility cares nothing for self. Humility cares nothing for self. I believe that's a blank in your notes there. Humility is being so focused on God that what may or may not be yours is of little consequence to you. Did you hear that? Humility is being so focused on God that what may or may not be yours is of little consequence. Humility is not focused on self. Self is not the issue in a humble heart. Anyone who comes to God in true worship must come as Mary came in humility. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible, you can look at verse 48. We'll pop it up here. Look what it says in Luke 1, 48. For he, this is Mary talking, and that he is capitalized so we know she's talking about God. And she says, for he has regard, takes notice of. You remember we talked about that? He takes notice, has regard for the what? Humble condition, and she's talking about herself, of his handmaid, his handmaiden, his bond slave. This was the thing, as we said earlier in the series, this was the thing that just rocked Mary's world. She couldn't believe God would even regard her. It goes back again to that scripture that I remembered when I was preaching on this earlier where it says, um, where it says who, who am I that God would even be mindful of me? And then I thought of, how many of y'all remember Rusty Goodman? You remember Rusty Goodman, Southern Gospel singer, wrote the song, Who Am I? Who am I? This is what Mary was saying. This is what the humble heart says. Who am I that a, that a man, that Jesus would come and die for me? 
This is what Mary is, is amazed about. It's, it's incomprehensible to her that God would have such regard for a common girl like her. Her initial response upon the realization or as much as she could realize God's love for her is, my soul doth magnify the Lord. That was her response. And our initial response too often is, my soul doth magnify myself. Mary's heart reveals to us the kind of attitude out of which worship rises. See, you've got to have it right in here for the worship to be right. Okay, let me read what one commentator said, and I can't remember where I got this. When I'm putting my notes together and I find a phrase I like, I post it in, 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 um, in the uh, document I'm working on. Sometimes I forget to put the, the person who said it, and I should have done that here, but I can't remember. It's, he said this. He said, when Mary says that God regarded her low estate, Literally, Mary uses a term that means she was in a humiliated state of being. She saw herself as a nobody. She knew she was a nobody socially. She knew she was a nobody culturally. She was just a handmaiden. She knew that she was capable of nothing and worthy of nothing she saw herself as a simple woman engaged to a village carpenter, a very unlikely mother of God. And then Joseph, the young man she was engaged to, what did he do? He made plows and yokes and tables and chairs and doors, maybe even built a few buildings. Mary had every opportunity to display spiritual pride. You know why? Because Mary had one really unique thing about her, and that was that she was burying in her, in her veins the root of David. See, she was the, in that lineage from the very root of David. You remember, um, let, me, let me just remind you of this. You remember when, David, uh, when Jesus was going around healing? You remember blind Bartimaeus? Jesus said, or, or blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. He said, you, the son of David, because it was that lineage, that lineage of David. So she was pure, and she was godly, and she could have allowed spiritual pride to creep in. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you this morning that I see spiritual pride, and it sickens me. I see spiritual pride. I, I, I see it in the church. I see people who, who become proud because they have more Bible knowledge than somebody else. I see people who become spiritually proud because they think they pray more than somebody else. I see people who won't have contact with other people because those, they think those people are not on a level of spirituality the way they are. I want to tell you that that pride is just as bad as any other kind of pride. And it is just as much a sin as any other kind of pride. Have you noticed that the more truly godly a person is, I mean truly godly, the less godly they believe themselves to be? If a person comes up to you and goes, I am very godly, that is a sign they are not very godly. <laughs> I know a lot about the Bible. Well, if you've got to tell us that and you want to make sure we know that, how many of you know you can be a, know a lot about the Bible and be a pygmy spiritually? Pygmy. I just thought of that. Um, 
But the more, listen to this, listen to me, the more truly spiritual you are, the more truly, genuinely godly you are, the more you're going to feel like, I need more of God. I need more of God. I'm not where I ought to be with God. I want more of God. That's true maturity. The essence of true spirituality, true spiritual maturity, is to think you don't have it. Isn't that amazing? So don't let people. I mean, you're probably going to run into people at Christmas, your family. Don't you just love getting together with your family at Christmas? You know, they know you go to the bridge because they think you're about half crazy anyway since you go to that church. So they're going to be trying to, they're going to be trying to, you know, well, the Bible, you know what, just let them, just let them do their thing. Don't argue with them. Don't argue with them. Just be loving. Just be Jesus. Serve them. Serve them. If they, if they mock your walk with God, if they mock your Christianity, if they mock the fact that you come to church here or you go to church anywhere, if they mock that, if they want to ridicule that, if you see them trying to get you in, just serve them and love them. and don't even. It takes two to fight. Amen? I know some of you want to go brave hard on them, but you can't. Okay? Be Jesus. Be Jesus to them. That's a good word right there. Humility is at the heart of true worship. Humility is a sense of unworthiness. Humility is a sense of aware that you battle temptation, you battle sin. Humility, when a person is humble, they, they don't feel qualified. They feel, they feel a lack of qualification. Um. People who are humble, don't, they, they don't think they're worthy of a blessing um, or some act of goodness. They are blessed and thankful for what God does for them, but they don't see themselves ever as being worthy of it. And when God does bless them, that humble heart just absolutely is overwhelmed and cries out in praise and thanksgiving. So true worship is four things. It's internal. It's intense. It is continual. And it is humble. So let's wrap it up. What is the attitude then of true worship? Here it is in one sentence. And if anybody wants my notes, for $10 you can get them. No, you just let me know and I'll send you all my notes. You don't have to try to write this down. Here's what true worship is. It is a deep heartfelt spring of intense gratitude and joy that bursts forth continually from a humble soul who knows its utter unworthiness. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's worship. That's the spirit of Christmas. So Mary asked this question. Mary said, who am I that I should be so highly favored as to be the mother of God. You know what our question should be right here this morning? Who am I that I should be so highly favored as to be adopted into the family of God? Can I ask you something? Have you been adopted? Make yourself available for adoption today. And say, Lord, 
I don't want to be in the spiritual family I'm in. I want to be in your spiritual family. And I want you, Lord, to adopt me today. Who are we? Who am I that he should come to suffer and die for me? Such overwhelming grace. So undeserved. Let's pray.